You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I am Dave Griffiths. He is Mike Chappell. Joe Hopkins joins us on the board as well. And Joe nearly had a uh, great celebration last week. Disgusting. Adam Vinatieri had missed two kicks. He was all ready to pop the champagne. But no, the GOAT came back hitting a 45-55 and a game-winning 51-yarder to earn so the Joe AFC was, Joe was going to dress tonight in a <laughs> Vinatieri with a, with a Ghostbusters, you know, circled through his number. Y'all act like I don't want the Colts to score points here. Come <laughs> you on. You just don't want Vinny to score points. I think y'all are just still sour that I was correct in leaving him off my top 10 Colts list, but I digress. 19th time Adam Vinatieri has won the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week award. That, of course, is an NFL record. And uh, very few people have won a player of the week, a conference player of the week honor more than him. Peyton Manning, I think, won 20, 20, 21, 21. I thought it was, which is crazy. Tom Brady has won a bunch, obviously. Um, but but the list is very few. And they're mostly quarterbacks up there that are the dominant ones. And, I mean, Mike, Mike we were talking about this the other day. All, all the great games Peyton Manning had, I mean, only 21 players per week. You could, have, you could have done a whole lot more, of course. There was one season he had like 10 straight games of 100 passer rating, and he had four or five perfect games, the 158 threes, and they always gave it to somebody else. Mm. And I understand you want to try to share the love, share the wealth and all that, but if a guy is dominant, whether it's him or Brady or, or whomever, you know, quit trying to make a farce. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not diminishing Vinny getting this at all. Kicks 250 yarders again, I like think fourth or fifth time in his career. And what's funny is we talked to Frank Reich after the game and, you know, boy, you got conservative there. You know, <laughs> setting him up for a 51-yarder. Slowed down the offense considerably. Right. Now, the first the first play was a a, a naked bootleg with a, with a throw if it was there. But the other two were were gimmies or gimme ups, give ups, and uh, Vinny, we asked Vinny to give me. Yeah, he said, you always like to have it a little bit closer. But that just showed it's incredible. As as much as Joe doesn't like Vinny, Frank Reich likes him some Vinny uh, uh, Vinatieri. He really does. And even back when the first two games when he struggled so poorly, uh, Frank was was the voice of of, of not reason because I thought there was reason for concern. But he said mm-hmm. he's he's our kicker. And uh, so here we are. I'll say this about his kicks, too. The, the 45 uh, one was a shank. But the PAT, like, if you look at the replay, they had um, Denver had the guy who kind of hopped over the middle and was running right at him. If, right. if the ball goes straight there, there, there's at least, I think, a 75% chance that it's blocked. So That was on the field goal, though, right? I thought, I thought the field goal. Was that the, the field goal? The field goal is where they jumped over it. Okay. And Vinny says, if I kick it normal, I'm going to kick him in the gut. Okay. I, I, I forgot. I thought that was the PAT. The, the, shank, the shank on the PAT was he just he just shanked it. Now, maybe I've got it wrong or whatever, but one of them, and, and that makes it sound like we're, we're kind of making excuses. I don't, there's not an excuse for, for the shank. They're just mm-hmm. not. He's, he's now missed eight kicks this year, four field goals and, and four pats, and the four pats is I'm pretty sure that's a career high, and we're seven games in. I'm going to write about him later today. On, on uh, our website, and I know Joe won't be clicking it on, but it's 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 crazy for whatever Vinny is through the first fifty eight minutes of a game, let's say eighty two percent or whatever, he's fourteen or fifteen on kicks to 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 give you the lead or or at the at the end of regulation of overtime fourteen or fifteen, and the one miss I, I was there it was in San Diego. When he misses a twenty-nine yarder with like a minute to play in Peyton's six-interception game, that they should have won. So it, it just it for for whatever his flaws have been this year, and there have been eight. There just have been the fifty-seven yarder. We'll, we'll dismiss that one. Yeah. But boy, when when he he goes out there at the end, not not that I was really really confident on the fifty-one yarder because he's given you reason to to question it. Mm-hmm. The numbers say, and and, and Frank Reich even. You know, reinforce it that when it's on the line, you want him out there. Frank Reich loves him some numbers, and you've mentioned also in the past, Vinatieri has dealt somewhat with a bit of a knee injury this he's, year. On his th- this lace. is going to bother him for the rest of the year. It's, it's the left knee, and he's not making an issue out of it. 
but it, it's there. He's never appeared on a on an injury report, Correct. of course. So yeah, Correct. yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned it's there. Uh, other injuries for the Colts that uh, will have more of an impact uh, looking forward. Let's let's look at the injury report. Wednesday's practice report was uh, full of a bunch of people who did not practice. Danico Autry did not practice. Kenny Moore did not practice. Jabal Sheard, Kari Willis. Kari has a foot injury. Frank seemed optimistic that he would probably be back by the weekend. That's what it sounded like on Wednesday. Um, one who is maybe more of the questionable, really don't know range, is Pierre Desir. Because um, he played two weeks ago. Then he sat out um, last week. Maybe a little bit surprising to people since he didn't practice at all two weeks ago and still played. But he practiced last week and did not play. And Frank Wright gave a little bit of an explanation about that. He says he wants Desir back at 100%. It sounded like Desir could have played, but... They're choosing to sit him and make sure he gets back fully. I, I, what Frank said, I think the quote was, "There's a lot of games left this right. season." And when it, whenever he mentions that, you know, you're talking a long term. The rest of the season, we're not halfway yet. I got the impression he was he's given us an indication that this year won't play this week. They want to really let him get a chance to get that back to where you're not, you know, he's eighty percent. Then he plays, and then he's seventy percent. And you, so I don't think they want to get into that. You could argue that they – I don't think they do, but you could argue that Pittsburgh doesn't have the kind of passing game to where you need all hands on deck. We say that, and then they'll go out and throw for 400 yards. You're right. But I, I just got the impression that Pierre doesn't play this week. Kenny Moore was practicing today. Danico Autry practiced today. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was out there. Oh, the uh, Kahari Willis practiced today. Uh, so that's, so trending in the right direction, right. those guys who missed right. Wednesday. Well, Frank – for, uh, Did Sheard practice today? Sheard, I don't. Bl- I haven't seen an update on him yet. I think he's going to be one of those kind of like Glayton Gathers, where he does he practices maybe once a week, and that's it. But uh, I've just with the way Frank's handling these guys, it, it, it's funny how coaches are all about you know Allen Iverson practice. We're talking practice. I'm talking about practice, man. But I'm telling you, if a player is is dealing with something. It depends on the player, I assume, and the guy's experience level. But they're really confident that certain players can handle limited or even no practice. You know, the TYs and shared and mm-hmm. and and people like that. Whether you know whether it's going to be Desir, I don't know. But uh, in the past, it was pretty much that if a player didn't practice, he didn't play. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily the case with Frank. Here's the deal with Desir and others, maybe in that same scenario. If you're trying to work him back to 100. percent this year, Frank Reich has the luxury to do that because the Colts are five and two. Last year, they did not have the luxury to do that if they're still fighting. I know, I know the mantra is one and zero, and you focus on one week at a time. But decisions like that—that that you're trying to work a guy back to 100 percent—that's a long-term decision. That's looking down the stretch. That's him saying we have a lot of games to go. And hey, you're on top of the division for now. You're kind of controlling your own destiny. It, you're not at one and five and staring up at everybody and know you need to win basically out to make the playoffs. Which they did. Which they did. So now the Colts are in a slightly different situation than they were last week. You can look at injuries with more of a long-term perspective. And I don't know if Frank would uh, say that he's throwing his one and no mentality out the window to make this decision. But at the same time, th- this is a long-term decision and not a one and no decision. Well, it's also a decision, decision aided by... A better roster, yes. They, they they're, they're deeper at positions where they've got guys hurt. Again, they they felt they were so deep last week that they kept Quincy Wilson inactive, which remains strange to me. And the microscope was cast on that also because of Rocky Scene's performance in that game. And we've both written about that online on Fox fifty nine right. CBS four dot com. If you want to get more into that, I'd suggest going online. See what some of Rock's teammates said, and specifically what Rock said this week, saying, "I believe your um, your quote from him was, I 'I'm not going to let one game define right. me.' So um, that that's something that we have a lot more content with online. No one here is going to throw the towel in on a second round pick. He's played more snaps on defense than any other player. That's remarkable. That, I, I I looked at that like three times. Yeah, that can't be right. It because is because Anthony Walker hasn't missed a game yet. Mm-hmm. But it just shows you that. that there have been there were times in the past. I'm I'm talking pre Manning where, where rookies played because hey, we got to play somebody. Mm-hmm. They're playing rookies now because these rookies have earned it. They really have. But when you play rookies, you're going to have mistakes. It's it's just. I asked Frank on Monday. I said, I guess what you hope is that the good outweighs the not so good, and, and that's the case with Yusina. I I think they 
They they hope he's learned because what they say what they're saying is he's he's hands he's grabby mm-hmm. he gets beads at the top of the route or beginning of the route and then he sort of makes up for it and one thing he said also uh, you seen he said well I'm finding out that the things I got away with in college I can't get away with now mm-hmm. and I think there there's some transition to that so but you know going back to Quincy Wilson I I don't understand it I I really don't I don't think the team explained it very well other than we have depth and situations and because what was crazy is they kept Shaq Taylor active in uniform and he didn't play so it wasn't necessarily a special teams thing so a lot of us speculated and I think there's some truth to it is they were hoping to trade him someone would call and give you something for him and I think I think they would have taken something for him mm-hmm so we'll see now. If he's not active this week, then they really don't have much regard for Quincy Wilson. I don't think that's the case. So, but we'll see. It's one of those. It just when you see, you think, really? See, I, they also had Paris Campbell active and Deion Kane inactive, and people were saying, "What's Deion?" Well, Deion Kane's inactive because Paris Campbell was healthy, mm-hmm. and you didn't need the body there. So, but Quincy Wilson, I'm interested in moving forward how this thing plays out. The Colts this week will travel to Pittsburgh, depending on how many people are active. Or, well, we know how many people will be active, but uh, which ones? That finds out. We find that out uh, 90 minutes before kickoff on Sunday. But uh, taking on the three and four Steelers right now. The Steelers uh, have turned things around after a bit of a slower start to the season. They started, I believe it was 0-3. Now they have won three of their last four games. They beat Miami, which everyone has done, to be honest. They beat the Chargers in which L.A., everybody's beating. which there is no home field advantage for the Chargers in L.A. There's more of a home field advantage for the other team, to be perfectly honest. And they lost in overtime to the Ravens. The Ravens are 5-2 and two this year, and those teams always play each other tight, it seems like. And but then, then they who, beat, who started them on their 3-out-4 of four role? They beat Cincinnati. So, I mean, they, they've won 3-out-4, of four, yay, but you've beaten two winless teams in Cincinnati and Miami, and then you beat the Chargers, who are nothing to be impressed about right now either so they've taken care they've mopped up with the teams that you're supposed to mop up things are going to get significantly more difficult i think for them facing the colts they're a more of a class team than any of the other teams they've faced in this recent stretch save the ravens i would say i'd put them in the same category um but mike talking to the colts in the locker room this week um the guys who have been around for a long time i mean ty hilton brought up i just asked hey this has been a great series uh, he said, well, we haven't beaten them. Uh, he said, I've never beaten them. I've never beaten them, yeah. Right. So, I mean, it, but this is a different Steelers team than the Colts have seen in the five times that T.Y. Hilton has faced them before. You know, and this, just some stats just jump out at you. The Colts in, in Pittsburgh, they're 2-15. and 15. They've, And we can, we'll get to more of this game, but can you name the two quarterbacks for the Colts who've won in Pittsburgh? That's, uh, let me think. Um. No, <laughs> Peyton Manning was one in yeah. 2008. Uh-huh. I was there for that. I, I figured great. that he would probably be one of them. The other was in 1968. Wow, Earl Morrill. I was gonna say I'm not gonna get that. Okay, Earl so, Morrill and Peyton Manning. But they've won five straight in, in this in 15 and 17. The Steelers haven't. We'll get to it when we finish up here. But my initial reaction is, well, Pittsburgh is going to win because boy, it's Pittsburgh and it's Heinz Field and it's terrible towels. And then you look at, at this team, and I think once you get past, if you want to call it the mystique, this isn't a very good team. It really isn't. And, you know, who knows where, where they are with their running backs, what James Conner's got the AC, sprained yeah, the, AC, is that what it AC is? AC joint. AC joint and shoulder. And they've got um, Pouncey. Well, then the Snell, Snell is out, the, yeah, the running back. Yeah, running back Snell is out. Um uh, meniscus and then Jalen Samuels who normally would be their number two running back he is going to return from an absence he had a procedure done just three weeks ago was supposed to be out a month um, beat that timetable to come back right when the Steelers might need him well then then in in Wednesday's practice Marquise Pouncey didn't practice he had a calf so again I think this is a team that when you get past the I hate to use the word awe because they've done nothing to give you awe but once you get past the fact that this isn't the Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Roethlisberger Steelers. I, I, I just the Colts have to handle this like it's just another game, and and they're not going to find any place more difficult to win than Arrowhead Stadium. 
So I, I think sometimes we, myself and the media, make too much of who and, and where. And it's, it's to me, this Colts team, so much more than some other ones, it's how they play. And if they play well, we'll have another one-possession game and hopefully then make the plays at the end. Over the years, it's been the killer bees killing the Colts. Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger. Bell and Brown are no longer with the team. Roethlisberger's out for the season with an elbow injury, so uh, they've got Mason Rudolph as their quarterback. Three full games this season. He's averaging just 218 passing yards. Is holding on. Uh, we're not holding on. Protecting the ball reasonably well, a 9-3 to three touchdown to interception ratio. Um, and he's protected really well the Steelers offensive line is pass blocking very well this year they've only allowed seven sacks but run blocking is where they have really struggled Miami was really the first game that their running game really got off the ground for 145 it was a bunch yeah yeah it was um but like we said Connor might not be back this week because of his AC joint sprain that happened late in that game against the Dolphins um nevertheless they're they're bottom 10 in the in the league in offense on rushing and passing I believe both of them scoring it yeah scoring the, the reason that scoring is I think a little bit higher than the others is because of the defensive side of the ball Pittsburgh has the second most takeaways out of any team in the league behind only the Patriots they have 19 takeaways and so they're giving their offense the ball more their offense gets more possessions deeper in opponents territory that is why their scoring numbers are slightly higher than you would think looking at just their yardage numbers and what they've been able to accomplish strictly in a yards per game basis. So, 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 and you're, look, so you're looking strength on strength. The Colts have seven exactly. giveaways. That's it. Like that, this, is, this is a strength on strength game. The Colts hold on to the ball. The Steelers take the ball away. They're two of the best teams in the league at those. So that's, to me, looking at this, is going to be a key matchup. And like, if the Colts can go in there and keep their heads and hang on to the ball... This Steelers offense is not good at driving down the field and building multiple drives per game for points and finishing in the end zone, multiple drives per game, long drives from your side in all the way, 80 yards, whatever it might be. Do not turn the ball over. That, that, that has got to be, it, it's preached every week in the locker room. This week, all the more so because of who you're facing. It's a team that thrives on that. Whether it's T.J. Watt coming off the edge, the Colts seeing another Watt. Nobody likes to see that on the other side of the ball. But their secondary, pretty good, too. You got Minka Fitzpatrick, who was one of the only good Dolphins players who they traded away to the Steelers. Joe Hayden's back there. It's They have talent around the field on defense. Devin Bush. Devin Bush is there. Uh, Vince Williams has carved out a role for himself. It, it's it's a dangerous defense if you let it be dangerous. So just go in there with your heads on straight. Keep the ball. Hang on to it. Don't get crazy. And Jacoby Brissett doesn't. We haven't that, seen him we do that this we year. We haven't seen. We've talked before about this. It, you, after seven games, you can't really say, boy, there's been six or seven plays. How how was that ball not intercepted? You know, the tip and all this. It's been a pretty relatively clean performance by the offense. You're going to have mistakes because you just do. But that that's what struck me so far about this team. And, and we talked too again. It, it's people get upset because what some of the power rankings have the Colts tenth, eleventh, twelfth, whatever. I would have a hard time putting them higher than eighth. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just because the, we talked, the strength of this team is no glaring weaknesses. It's they're pretty good in in a lot of what they do. And the, to me, the defense is getting better. This defense has really turned things around. Third down efficiency, red zone efficiency. You're getting healthy. Uh, Pierre Desir being an exception. But when you get your your front four playing well, Justin Houston sort of getting things together. Was it four sacks in three games? And I think he's had more of an impact than that. Darius Leonard's going to get better and better as he gets his his game back after missing so many games. So I like the trending of this defense. They do have a couple of um, at least one big playmaker they're going to have to pay attention for. That's Juju Smith-Schuster. And um, a lot of people thought that, well, he was just kind of second fiddle to Antonio Brown. But if you look at the numbers, he was right alongside A.B. even last year in the past couple years with, with his production for the Steelers offense. And that's evidenced by just this last weekend against the Dolphins. He... Juju Smith-Schuster surpassed Randy Moss for the most 100-yard games by a wide receiver under the age of 23. I mean, that's pretty darn good. Moss, I think, was a little bit older when he entered the league, so that is um, that also goes into play there. But 
still, he, he has put up a good number of significant chunks of yardage. He can still beat you deep, even though the Steelers aren't doing that quite as often with Ben Roethlisberger out and Mason Rudolph in. But we've talked about Connor. He's likely going to miss the game, or at least 50-50. I would say more than likely. Rudolph is still a young guy figuring out his way in the league. Smith-Schuster is is one of the best deep threats specifically in the NFL and his wide receiver you're going to have to pay attention to. And I think we've seen, unlike the past regime, which hardly ever took the best player out of a game. I mean, you go to Pittsburgh and and, and Chuck and his group never – I mean, if they game plan for Antonio Brown – It didn't it a, work. It was a crappy game plan. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think Matt Eberflus is the type that whatever it takes – Juju Smith-Schuster won't beat him. I mean, you know, with with the eight catches and 160 yards, I just don't think that's going to be the case. I like again what he's he's getting players healthy. He's getting himself some some options. And watching that Dolphins game Monday, I'm watching Mason Rudolph, and I'm thinking, boy, he's just throwing the ball up to see what. Well, you've got Malik Hooker back there now, and you you throw the ball up in center field, and he's going to go after it. And it's kind of funny. I was looking again. I spend way too much time looking up stupid stuff. But the, the 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 last we were talking the last Steelers quarterback not named Ben Roethlisberger that these guys faced. It's Tommy Maddox. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been a long time. It, th- again, th- this is not. I, I, in my head, I've got to get past the fact this isn't the Steeler team that people are used to seeing. There's that you you get past the veneer and. They're a team that's really, really struggling, and it's a team that their season is, is coming up. They've got the Colts at home, the Rams at home, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Arizona. So th- this is when, if they can get on a mini run here, I don't know about beating the Rams at home, but but get on this run, and, and, and maybe Baltimore comes back to the pack in the division. They've got a chance, but so much of, so much of it starts uh, – Sunday in Heinz Field, and um, the the Ravens this weekend do play the Patriots. They host the Patriots, I believe. We'll so. get we'll get a gauge on a lot of people. I, I want to yeah. see because again we talked about taking away a player. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick is the master of this guy isn't going to beat me. Now this guy might, but this guy's not. I want to see how he takes Lamar Jackson out of a game. I guarantee every other uh, defensive coordinator in the NFL is going to be very interested in that game tape. Specifically, the old blueprint. Exactly. The AFC North. We're like, hey, well, well, what can we do against this guy? Yeah. So, Are you saying I shouldn't start Lamar Jackson this week? I am that saying what? that that is probably Boy, not that, the best that'd be idea. Tough. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I go on the fact that Belichick, as much as people may dislike him, he knows what he's doing. He does. He does. The uh, Steelers' front seven that the Colts are going to face is uh, certainly a a solid one. We've mentioned it in the past. Uh, TJ Watt is uh, kind of leading them there. Six sacks for him, nine and a half tackles for loss. He even has an interception, uh, three forced fumbles. Th- 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 those are like Robert Mathis type numbers, right. you know, off the edge, the three forced fumbles, three recoveries. He, he, he goes for the ball. So uh, yeah, the bookends, uh, Braden Smith, Anthony Costanzo, be on your game. You got a Watt coming up against you. Uh, the sixth most sacks in the NFL, the Steelers have forced. This that is inarguably the strength of their team. Um, uh, the and and I mentioned some of their playmakers in the secondary too. So it, it's it, it's just a a unit that you have to you have to be on your p's and q's about because they can make the big plays that win the game. And that's how they have won the games, as I mentioned this year. They get those turnovers that enable the offense to score quicker. I remember back in the day when Peyton was here when he played a team. Like this it was, it was normally the Ravens, who had a defense, who had an offense was just kind of so-so, and the defense was really, really disruptive and takes the ball away. His approach was you you knew going in there were going to be some bad spots in the game, four and or three and outs and and negative plays. He said you just have to buy your time when the plays are there, make them, and don't you know litter the field with with, with bad plays with with turnovers. And by and large, that's what they—that's what those Colts did. So this this will be one of those games, uh, maybe a lot like the Denver game, where it's just ugly. It's just mm-hmm. hit and miss, and, and and fits and you know fits and starts. But like you said, when, when their offense is going to be as depleted or inefficient as it's been, you just can't give them the short field. You can't give them a you know a strip and a sack and a, and a touchdown. 
make them earn it because again they've not shown really that they can that they can drive the ball. Now the Colts offense has; they've probably got three or four ninety-yard scoring drives this year, so they, they can do that. But don't don't help Pittsburgh because when you do that, every turnover, every bad play, the fans get cranked up even more, and that does impact the game. Yeah, and, and that that's something that kind of did bite the Colts in the butt a little bit was the. Uh just giving the other team more opportunities last week with Denver, with with the penalties in particular, right? Um, and that's something that they had really. What was benefited it ten for a hundred and it something? Was, it was by certainly by far their most, and gave them six or seven first downs, which yeah. they hadn't done. Right, and and that's something that if you're at home, uh, rather if you're on the road and you do that, like you said, that feeds into the crowd totally. And even though there might not be a tougher place than Arrowhead Stadium, the Colts have already conquered that. If there's anyone that that uh, that rivals it, you'd say Heinz Field, maybe Correct. Lombardi Stadium uh, in uh, in Green Bay. I mean, the, it, it's it's certainly one of the best and one of the best fan atmospheres. And if you give them an inch, they'll take a yard, kind of thing. It's it's one that um, that will certainly come into play if if you make your mistakes. Because somebody was saying, well, what you expect is the Steelers defense come out and smack these guys in the face. Well, they're going to be smacking the people in the face. That's, that's the strength of your team. Mm-hmm. And I want to see somebody smack Quentin Nelson in the face. Yeah, good luck. Because again, and it has. It's. I don't want to say it started with him, but this is an offensive line that, by and large, is not going to be pushed around. And I, I think again that they're going to take it. They they love to get Marlon Mack going. He had a, he had a decent game against Denver. The, the issue was there were six minus rushes. I think he had one and. and uh, Heinz or Wilkins had one, and that you just against against these kind of defenses, you just can't have bad plays. You just you know, for second and eight's a lot better than like you say the second and thirteen or fourteen yards. But but again, I, I I just think if these guys take care of their business, what they've been doing is the type of game that works against the Steelers. I um I made that point last week about the uh, the running game. I was really surprised the Colts didn't stick more with the run early against the Broncos. They really they passed a lot. They called. I forget what the numbers were, but they called at least in the first half a couple more passes than runs, or maybe it was halfway it was through still the second close. quarter. It was still fifty-fifty. Yeah. It yeah. was. It was darn close. Maybe it was fifty-fifty. Like I just, I mean, I made this point on Twitter and got a little backlash because of it because the there were a couple of negative runs, but at the same time, Marlon Mack had gained. He was averaging still like four or five yards right. of carry at the point. Like he was still busting a bunch of runs at that point. Um, they were they they were throwing the ball more. Than they had, it seemed like earlier in the year. It seems like the offense has opened up a bit more for Jacoby Brissett in recent weeks. Just me looking at it, at but least. But they were still go. If, if you pull up the stat sheet, they were still fifty fifty. It, yeah. it was it was the play call was almost down the middle. Which I, again, I just I, we've we've beaten this to death too. I don't know how you sustain that over the course of the season. But if Frank Reich can get 120, 140 yards from his running game, he's gonna be, he's gonna be happy with it. Uh, I was I asked Nick Sirianni about how was it tough to stay committed to the run because it just there wasn't a lot there it didn't seem like but they stuck with it and that was what they wanted to do going in uh, really lean on Marlon Mack his his disappointment was the was Max five negative runs negative runs yeah. I, I, he I, always I don't, say, I don't say Max I mean it was right. because it's what was there mm-hmm. but uh, if they can run on these guys uh, I'll be impressed. Steelers, like we said, that it's that front seven that's really the the strength of their defense, Joe. Well, you know, you bring up the negative runs, but another aspect to it is the lack of big plays in the passing game, which helps open up the run. Yeah, we've been we've been talking about that for eight been weeks. Harping on that, and you know, you, you start to wonder when is Ty going to get going here? Because you know, I, I know this is not the same offense that the Colts have had in the past, but he has yet to have. 100 yards on the season he's yet to surpass 90 in a single game and he averages four to five hundred yard games per year so you just wonder when that big ty game is coming that's remarkable that he hasn't surpassed 90 this year i didn't know that until he's on pace for 950 yards or whatever if you do the math it's been very modest yardage numbers for ty i think he's got he's got two two catches over 30 he's got a 35 and a 30 uh i'm gonna give him credit We're, we're not seeing now, the fact you're five and two, he's sort of bought in to this offense because this is somebody tweeted. I don't know who it was that, and it's a really interesting, interesting. Too bad we haven't got a bye week to talk about this. But if you could, if you could drop 2018 midseason Andrew Luck into this offense as opposed to Jacoby Brissett, would you do it? Of course you would. 
I mean, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Isn't your ceiling so much higher? I think that was uh, Chris Hagen's exact tweet, though. Chris Hagen put a um, put a poll out that was, yeah, if, if Andrew Luck comes back, is he the starting quarterback? Like if he came back right now, and there was there was definitely some some angry Twitter Twitter folk about that. How you do, how can you disparage Jacoby Brissett? Exactly, yeah, and I don't know how well that went over in in the Colts office either, because I mean their 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 mindset is, yeah, Andrew's gone and Jacoby's here, so. Um, that, that, that's still like, a, it, Chris, Chris did nothing wrong by asking the question. It's just so, conversation. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he, to, 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 to clap back at him and like, even, even in some people, I, I mean, I, I read the responses, Twitter, Twitter is the worst, but using like very much, all, uh, it takes is, that, it, all it takes is a pulse and a phone, you know, brain, yeah. brain's not necessary. No, no, it is not. So I, so I, you dismiss those, the stupid responses immediately and like, it is the the thing was the the results for that poll? I think it was forty eight percent said yes, put luck back in, and then the other half. So it was very much split down the middle. Whether people thought a hey, luck should be back in or Jacoby should stay the starting quarterback if luck came back right now. But yeah, like your point, if if midseason Andrew Luck last year, who's having the best year of his career at this point last year, comes back right now, thrown into this offense. It would add a different dimension that we have not seen yet. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think we would see the luck from his first three years where they're, remember where it starts with Bruce Arians and no risk it, no biscuit. Hmm. We wouldn't see bombs away, Andrew Luck. We just wouldn't because we didn't see that as much last year. Although I thought, I thought last year, I, I thought I remember a stat where the Colts led the league in explosive plays on offense. I think they had like 76 plays of 20 or better. The whole point of this is, though, we sort of got off a little bit. This isn't the same offense. It's it's they're not running as an aggressive offense with Brissett as they did with Luck. It's just a fact. And they're still Ty is eleven point three per catch, which his his career is probably upper twelves. I I don't I don't know. You probably got the stats there. Ty is fifteen point seven. Okay, well that even more so. Yeah. And but he's got five touchdowns. His career high is probably seven. seven. Which it's it's amazing to me that Ty with but only all, seven touchdowns. Seven touchdowns. Yeah, I mean that, that's cra- Devin Funches had that one year in uh, mm-hmm. in Carolina. In Carolina. So, but but the whole thing the, the, again, it, it's it's this is a different offense. It is it is rooted in the run game. They believe in the run game. They believe in their offensive line. They believe in Marlon Mack. My whole thing is, I think to really to, to make that deep run. To do what you want to do, you know. Right now, they're the number two seed. Right now, you know the old. If the playoffs started today, we uh, one buy. We got this. This team's got to buy. Yep. So, so it's working. Uh, there just needs to be more pop to the offense, and 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 somebody got on me. We talked about it last week. Somebody got on me when Jacoby went for three twenty six and four. Well, you said he couldn't throw the ball downfield. I said no. They're not throwing the ball down the field. Right. Which we is, didn't say he couldn't. Right. So, so, but so again, it's totally different. But as long as they play to their strengths, which is avoiding, you know, bad stuff, this is not a great team. It's a good team. One person, one receiver that we thought might be more of a deep threat in this offense is Deion Kane, who was uh, inactive this last week. Uh, He's been targeted twice downfield and earned two nice pass interference penalties on those two plays. But still... If you're not active, you're not going to help out the offense. Mike, what what, what did you take away from Deion Kane being being inactive this last week? Is it just a matter of um, of Paris Campbell being maybe more useful right now, and there, it's a numbers game, and Deion doesn't have any um, what's it called special teams uh, availability right. or ability, whatever it might be, or benefit to the offense, or is there something deeper with no, that? No, I, I think it's Paris Campbell. They 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 go with Ty and. Pascal and, and Rogers and, and Campbell, Ashton Doolin. Was I, I, I think he's yeah. probably a, the, special he's, he's a special teams guy. So, yeah. I, and then too, Dion's not been very productive. They, they've really gone. He's. I think he's had 15 targets. I think that's too high. But he's got. But he's got four catches for 52 yards. And the, the plays that seem to have mattered more are, are the 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 uh, pass interferences he's drawn. So, I go back to one thing that Chris Ballard told us in April, and he, he said. It may be November before we see Deion Kane, mm-hmm. you know, because he basically is a rookie. He's a rookie who's who's probably fourteen months 
out or 15 months uh, out of surgery from the ACL. So I, I don't think this guy's a bust at all. And again, we talked last week, and I, I think we did, is we, we have to assume in the media a little bit of the blame for, for hyping the Deion King train because we reported a lot. And rightly so, we weren't making it up. This guy had a great preseason. And they had a great training camp, a great preseason, effective in, in the in preseason games, and now not so much. But uh, I, I, I think they're just waiting for the right chance or let him grow some more. But right now, with Paris Campbell, they, they just don't need him. And here's another thing that's not playing into Deion Kane's favor is that Devin Funches is going to return uh, right. eventually. Uh, I think Frank Reich said this week, again, is not, not in the cards. He's not quite coming back just yet. But that, that would add just another body in there that he would have push to get him past. down one rung lower. exactly so and and joe you brought up uh doolin as a special teams player if he's going to steal a roster spot there for for special teams um that's it just it adds to the numbers game that if you do you want to add another wide receiver to your roster and take well, out whatever it is a defensive lineman or whatever th- this I, I would just without getting into, into chris ballard's head too much i, I would think that when funches is ready that he takes Doolin's spot on the roster. I think you're at some spot during the, the season where when you add and subtract players, it's position for position. You know, you, you, you need an offensive lineman, so you, you find an offensive lineman to replace him with. So I would think Funches takes Doolin's spot, but we'll see. You never know. It depends on just how valuable he is on special teams. Because fun, yeah. Funches is not going to help you on special no, teams. No, zero percent. And like, I, I'm... I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm a special teams expert or anything, but like that's why Chris Milton had the roster spot for a couple years on this team. Like, he didn't see him too much on the playing the defensive side of the ball, but he was a cornerback that had a roster spot every week because he was the gunner on special teams, and he got down the field, and he either forced a fair catch or down the punt inside the 10-yard line. And I haven't noticed Doolin doing many of those things, but I really I don't know if I've been looking for it specifically, to be perfectly honest, so... Maybe that's something I'll have to look out for. I'm going to be in Pittsburgh this weekend, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep my eyes open for that, see exactly what special teams role Doolin has, and um, and then maybe I'll come around and say, yeah, it's it's a uh, it is a numbers game. It would be one for one, but like I said, if he's valuable there, like it, it, you can't take him out because that's an important part of this Colts team. If you can't make that perfect drive, then you punt it away, try to pin him deep, deep, and go go again with a shorter drive. It's so easy to forget coverage on special teams and certain players that you've got. I'm not sure how much Quincy Wilson helps you on special teams. I don't think teams. he does. Like, he's very versatile in the secondary. He plays dime, nickel. He's played a little safety. He plays corner, obviously. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I don't remember seeing him out there on special teams. Right. And, and, again, as we mentioned, Fungus won't help you on special teams. Zero percent. Right. None. And, and, and he shouldn't. He's at that point in his right. career when, when he's not there. Joe. And I know this is getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but... If, but that's what we do. If Kane continues to do nothing to very little, and Paris Campbell continues to do nothing to very little. be interesting to see what the, the Colts do with Devin Funchess and his expiring contract after the season because uh, another receiver is definitely something they'll want for the offense going forward. I think, yeah, it depends on obviously what Funchess does down the stretch when he comes back. I think he showed certainly a lot of potential early that he, uh, he had a good rapport with Jacoby, a couple of good first down catches early on, either in the preseason or early in the regular in his first game before getting knocked out. So that that's yeah that's it's on the back burner I guess yeah. for me you you just brought it up to the front for a second yeah but uh, oh you you look at the receiver and you're right you look at the receiver group yeah you've got to resign T Y obviously uh, yes. he's got another year to go but yeah. but then you've got question marks I mean when when the people who who you are most confident in what you're going to get are T Y Pascal and Rogers I mean you know what you're going to get at varying levels. But the, you you just need more, and that's something that they'll they'll certainly look at. And, you know, we, we, and we've talked about this: the tight ends. You got two tight ends that are going to be free agents, so you got a lot of issues at skill positions you're going to deal with. I, I love, by the way, that Zach Pascal has carved out more than just a small role for himself in this offense. Like he can, we knew in the past he can block. He was a great blocking receiver, and that's one thing that earned him a roster spot last year. Man, that guy. And he's a really nice kid, too. I shouldn't say kid. He's a nice young man, um, does things the right way, is great with the media, um, is 
catches seemingly everything that comes at him. I haven't. I don't recall any drops that he's had this year. Correct me did, if I'm did wrong. Did nothing come at him last week, if I remember correctly? I don't think so. Maybe he had a target, but he didn't see a whole lot. He played so, one less snap than Ty last week. He was out there a whole whole lot. But but he had the big game against Houston. Yes. And then I don't. I'm not sure he's even targeted. Maybe he was targeted with no catches. Take a look here. But but it just shows you the way. Uh, maybe in T.Y. we were talking to where he said, you know, you just don't know who it's going to be. Against Denver, targeted twice, one catch, six yards. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot the one Golly, catch for six Mark, yards. Shame on you. But, uh, again, that, that's to me, again, that's the strength of this team. Is And, and again, like, you, like Joe mentioned, they've gotten to this point, and T.Y.'s not gone off yet. He's had those five catches for 80 yards, six catches for... He's getting the touchdowns. Right. He is. All, all, it's funny, we, we, we talked earlier in the year about... Because I asked Frank, how are you going to get T.Y. more involved in the red zone? Hmm. Red zone, red zone. Ten of his last 12 catches have been red zones. But now, but now, give us more down the field. Yeah. So you can't, you can't satisfy the... Mike is never happy. Never, never. Mike Chappell, he, I've had my moments, but, uh-huh. but not, not too many regarding how they're handling T.Y. But he's having a quietly good year, and it's just not going to be that twelve or 1,300-yard season that we're used to. It's a lot of offensive talk. The Colts on the defensive side of the ball so far this year, kind of in the middle of the pack when it comes to scoring yards allowed. Um, but they have the fifth fewest takeaways in the league, only seven. Um, that's obviously a number that you'd like to see grow, Mike. It's it's um, kind of something that the coaching staff has preached before in the offseason. I think every coaching staff around the league will say this. We want to take the ball away. We want to take the ball away, obviously. But if you're going to have a, a team that's playing – as the Colts are this year, a bit more, uh, bit more man and a bit more aggressive at the front. Y- you certainly want to be able to force turnovers, and they haven't quite done what they would have hoped to have done so far. I don't think they've got one interception by a corner. This year, that's, got one. That's, yeah, that's you just, not you enough. just can't after seven games. What there's, I think there's there's zero. They're even on giveaway takeaway. Seven giveaways, seven takeaways. Uh, yeah, seven. And their safeties have missed some time, so I'm sure right. that doesn't help either, both guys. But the but by Hooker, Leonard, and Gathers. Yeah. Uh, so, But again, and Hooker and, and Leonard missed miss three games each, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and, and we'll, that's maybe got be part of getting better as a defense. We do see the pass rush getting better, and the, the best thing to help turnovers is the pass rush. Mm-hmm. It, it just is. You're, you're, either you're getting sacks and strips, or you're making the quarterback throw before he wants to, and I just get the impression. Maybe, maybe at the end of the game, Mason Rudolph's going to be 20 for 25 for 300 yards and thumbing everybody off, but I think this is the guy that you get to him and you fluster him, and I think he will put the ball up because he did against Miami. He did not look great against Miami. He was, th- he was, he was throwing his Hail Marys down the field, and uh, th- those are the kind of plays that Millie Cooker gets well on well and against Denver you know you talked about the Colts played a lot of man do you think maybe they go back to zone with a younger quarterback who won't be able to pick it apart as easily and after you know is Yassin going to be matched up on Juju if Pierre Desir can't go we saw how that turned out with Cortland Sutton last week and Cortland Sutton's a great player Juju's another level looks like say. it yeah maybe they go back to where it is let's see if Pittsburgh can drive go and again it it's like Fingernails on the chalkboard when you ask Eber for us, but do you, do you get back to the bin but don't break? Make him go 12, 12 plays and, and 75 yards. But uh, maybe, yeah, maybe less man, to, whether that's to protect Jacine or, or to make, like you said, prove if, if Rudolph can, can, can pick apart his own. Some quarterbacks, a lot of quarterbacks can do that. Mm-hmm. Has this guy shown he can do that? Probably not. Here, here's what you have going uh, in your favor then um, that you mentioned, Mike. The Colts' pass rush is significantly improving, and Justin Houston's leading the charge there. I think four sacks in the last three games right. or something, and they have 10 sacks total, the Colts do, in the past three games after having a couple games where there was like one sack over a, a big stretch. One sack and like one pressure. Yeah, it, it wasn't good, but here's what you the Steelers have going against them, and I believe I mentioned this earlier. I think they've allowed the fewest sacks in the league. They've only allowed seven. seven yeah, seven sacks this entire season. So that offensive line is a very good pass-blocking offensive That's line. Just another example of this game is so much strength on strength. Yep. You know, you could argue the best part of the Colts' defense is their pass rushers, and that's what, you know, Best part offense. of the Steelers' offense. Honestly, it is. Like, if exactly. you look at the Steelers' offense, they're averaging less than 300 yards per game total. That is not a good number. That's fourth worst, I believe, in the league. They do not gain yards, but... They protect the quarterback. If you look at how both these teams want to win, it's really the same formula. 
I mean, get to the quarterback, protect the quarterback, and run the ball. So who's going to be able to do that better? Two-hour two and 30-minute game. That would be fantastic. It would be and, amazing. And it won't happen. No, it never will. We so, need to, we need to fill those commercials. We need to pay pay salaries true. here at, at CBS Four Fox Fifty Nine for sure. All right, uh, predictions for this week: the Colts on the road taking on the Steelers. One p.m. kickoff on CBS Four. Uh, watch the Colts Blue Zone pregame show at eleven thirty in Central Indiana on CBS. How do you 4. remember all that? Because because I, I say it every dang week, and I have hits in the five o'clock newscast and the six o'clock newscast, and we talk about it all the time. We have so many shows at Fox and CBS here in Central Indiana. I'm on TV too much, not really, but but that but that's why I remember it because 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 right. five days a week, whenever I'm working, it is boom 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 over and over back to back. And now I'm here on the podcast talking about it, and I do it for the morning show there with my record. yeah. So there we go. That that is why right. and how I remember. Everything. Thank you. But anyway, back to the predictions. Colts on the road taking on the Steelers. We've talked about a matchup of strength on strength. Steelers, I believe, certainly have a home field advantage. They're one of the teams that has the best home field advantage in the league. I think the Colts do what they do better than the Steelers do what they do right now. I would rather put the ball in the hands of Jacob Brissett and trust him that I would put the ball in the hands of Mason Rudolph and trust him. The Colts seem to be healthy in particular on offense. The Steelers are banged up in particular in the backfield where they really are trying to rely upon to let their offense go. Things are trending in the Colts' direction. They've won a couple games in a row. Things are trending in the Steelers' direction. They've won a couple, three of their last four, but against some of the worst teams in the league. I think things are more leaning toward the Colts this way. I have the Colts 17-10. to 10. I think it's going to be another low-scoring game. It's going to be a cold weekend in Pittsburgh. They're going to try to keep cold the ball running. Cold but dry, right? Cold but dry, yes. Not, thank God, not going to be wet out there. I think the high was 46 when I looked at the forecast the other day. So I have the Colts by a touchdown in Pittsburgh in a low-scoring game. I'm going to go, uh, we were talking Arrowhead, what was 19-13. I'm going to say 1916 Colts, and I again, and this is a flip flop because early in the week we were, we were talking in the press in the press room about Steelers, and I said, yeah, the Steelers are winning this one, but that that was knee jerker. And you just look at it, you just I realize you can overdo, overanalyze the numbers and all this, but it, it's just barring the Colts going out there and just playing poorly, which I don't think they will. It'll be low scoring. It'll be again one possession. It'll be their eighth one possession game. The league record to open the season is nine. Uh, really, and we, we can mention the Colts are five and two. They're the first team since 1940 to go five and two and have all their games decided by one possession by seven points. Hmm. So they're finding ways to win, not really finding ways to lose uh, outside of Cleveland or of uh, Oakland. So I'm going to say Colts. Uh, I'm going to say 1916. I'm going to predict this is the first double score or multiple score victory for the Colts this season. Uh, I got 20 to 10. I think the Colts will muster up a couple touchdowns, a couple field goals, and uh, I think Juju, maybe Connor, if he plays, is you know great players make great plays, and they're going to do enough to score a touchdown, maybe get in the field goal range. But twenty to ten Colts over Steelers. You actually think Adam Vinatieri is going to make kicks? Breaking I do. <laughs> How many will he miss? <laughs> One or two. Jeez, Joe. One miss. Terrible. Two makes is my prediction on Vinatieri. Let's look around the AFC South. In an early game this week in jolly old London, the 5-3 and three Texans take on the 4-4 four and four Jaguars. So an AFC South showdown in London. Last time they played Week 2, the Texans won a close game. The Jaguars had a chance to win it late. They could not convert. They, I think they tried for a two-point two conversion. conversion yes. by Fournette. Yes, they, um, they lost. I think 13-12 to 12 was the final score of that game. Uh, Deshaun Watson only had 159 pass yards, only had one rushing touchdown. Um, the, so, so that's certainly a game to watch out for early in the morning. Maybe you can flip back and forth. Is that a 9 o'clock start? That is a 9.30 start, I believe. So, so it's got to be on NFL Network. On NFL Network. Because so I was about to foot- say, because we still have our pregame show, the Colts Blue Zone pregame you show. You can watch football from 9.30 in the morning until 11.30 at night? God bless it. Yes, you can. Wear a diaper and not even get up out of your chair? God, I love America. <laughs> you got to make sure you tune into that Blue Zone at 11.30, a little oh, bit back true. and forth, of course, between Texans, Jaguars. And then the 4-4 four and four Titans travel to face the 4-3 and three Carolina Panthers. Titans have maybe got a little bit of a shot in the arm last week with Ryan Tannehill. Certainly looked like the offense moved a lot better than it did with Marcus Mariota at the helm. 
But the Carolina Panthers have moved the ball really well because they have this kid named uh, Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. So the Titans defense, I mean, Mike Vrabel's a good defensive coach. None of us can deny that. But uh, can he stop McCaffrey where it seems like no one else can this year, whether it's running or passing the ball, Joe? No one but the Buccaneers. Somehow the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the ones who stop Christian McCaffrey. Okay. They've allowed the fewest rushing yards and the most passing yards. So they got one aspect of the defense figured out. Okay. The Titans do? The Buccaneers. The Buccaneers. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So those are the two games to look out for this week. I, like, go ahead, Mike. And, and this is why it's important for the Colts to keep this going. This this is the stretch. Mm-hmm. Here we go again. This is a stretch where you can give yourself cushion for, for when it gets tougher in mid-November. Because after this one, you've got Miami, and then you got Jacksonville. And who knows what – you know? the Texans are the better team with the Jags, but who knows. You can't, you can't fall back – and keep every, and give everyone reasons to believe they can win the division. This is where you keep your you keep your cushion. And the Texans have some difficult games coming up because they have the slightly more difficult Baltimore, schedule. New England, exactly, up. those are the two. Baltimore, New England. Those are going to be tough games for them. Maybe they go one and one. Heck, maybe they go two and zero. Oh. I would doubt that they go two and zero oh in that stretch. But still, this is the game as we've talked about before. The start of a stretch or continuing a stretch. Well, and the Texans lose uh, the other what for the season. Right. Yeah. JJ's yeah. out with a torn peck, was it? I believe torn it was. Pack, yeah. What's this, like three seasons in three a row? Of, it three seems in like a row, three, three of the last four. four. Yeah, that his season ends because of an injury. Boy. I turned 30. That's that's a shame, man. Because when, when he is healthy, he is, he is fun to watch for everyone except for the team, the three-time fans and team Three-time defensive player of the year. Only three-time defensive player of the year. Yeah. Remarkable player, but... We'll see what the Texans can do without him in London against the Jaguars. The Colts on top of the division for now. Will it remain that way after this weekend when they take on the Steelers in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field? You have to join us on CBS4 Sunday afternoon, 1 p.m. to find out. And then, of course, the Colts Blue Zone podcast will be back next week to break it all down and then afterward to look forward to future games. I'm Dave Griffiths. You can follow me online on Twitter at DaveG underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at MChapel51. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. I'm amazed you remember all that. I'm and just the Colts amazed. Blue Zone podcast is uh, at Colts Blue Zone. This is episode 39 that we're doing here, Mike. So I've done, I've done that quite a bunch, too. Yeah. 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 It, <laughs> first few, you rattled them off perfectly, it, though. It, that that was impressive. It is ingrained in it my head. It takes a skill. Yeah, I will be able to do this 25 years from now because it will just be stuck <laughs> right, there. Like, what did you say, honey? Exactly. Honestly. Colts Blue Zone podcast. <laughs> this is the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Download, subscribe, get delivered to your podcast listening devices week after week. We will see you next time on the Blue Zone.